Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. Somebody to explain this to me, which is why we have listeners. Driving to Delaware, all right, in Delaware, my car takes the second grade of gas. Okay. One up, not 87, Humble takes brag. 89. Right, not Takes 89, not, not, the premium. not 91. No, not premium. Right. It, it's in the middle. And you know, if you're in the middle, you just say to yourself, eh, let's take the low one. What's the difference? <laughs> it's a lease. Yeah, let's check the price of a barrel. <laughs> it's a lease. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. All right, we're going to start with something today. And again, summer schedule, people. We'll definitely do a show next Monday. Sometime the rest of the week, we may do shows. But we'll definitely do one Monday. But what do you care, right? You, you like the show. When it comes on, it comes on. You're happy. I'm happy to do it. So sometimes you're caught in a position where you like certain people, but they may not like each other. I mean, that happens every once in a while. I'm going to name names because I really like both of these people. And uh, it's been pointed out to me that they are not necessarily pals. <laughs> no. I really like Keith Oberman. I've always liked Keith Oberman. I really like Chris Saliza. Really like him. They apparently, well, I don't know that they go back and forth. I think Keith goes after Chris on the internet. Is that fair to say? Sure, from my distance, I would say sure. Yeah, yeah. that Keith goes after. Yeah. And Keith's, look, let's be fair. Keith's out of his mind. <laughs> I really like Keith. Right. Keith's out of his mind. He's great. But you yeah. know, Keith is, Keith is a guy. Keith's Don Quixote. Come on. Oh, sure. That's what Keith is. Yeah. Well, that's who Keith is. He's Don Quixote. Chris is not like that. This, this happens. I have other people. Yeah, I'm not going to name other names. But, you know, there are people I know that just don't like each other and go to war all the time. It, it happens. And Keith is Don Quixote. So Keith, Keith sends me. I hadn't heard from Keith in a couple of months. He says, Tony, can you, would you do one of my announcer recordings for the podcast? Keith has a podcast now. Right. Everybody has a podcast. <laughs> so far, I have Larry David, John Dean, John Banks, Stevie Van Zant, and Richard Lewis. Now, I don't know who John... Should I know who John Banks is? I want to say John... I think he's an actor. Hold I on. certainly know who Larry David... He's who Mike Ermintrout from uh, yes, Breaking Bad. That's right. That's who I thought. Yeah, they got Mike Ermintrout from um, Better Call From Better Call Saul? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. DC native, actually. Right. John Dean. John Dean. Uh, Stevie Van Zandt, you know, Richard Lewis. Richard Lewis is neurotic. Yeah. He's made a whole career out of being neurotic. So he says it's not complicated. It's just a few takes of this is Countdown with Keith Oberman. It can be done in a nice studio or just a phone. You can text it to me. I'll give Sean the number afterwards. Anywhere there's no echo. There's a big echo here. <laughs> there's a big echo here. Right, Sean? There's a big echo. But we're going to try. There you got a big personality. We're going to try because it's Keith. <laughs> so it says a few takes. How many takes can <clears throat> Are you Are you ready? Sean, to yes, record? Sir. This is Countdown with Keith Oberman. I'll do it again. All right. This is Countdown with Keith Oberman. One more time. Maybe two more times. One more time, a little bit more threatening. <laughs> this is Countdown with Keith Oberman. That was different. That was great. Wasn't that different? Yeah. Have you got a whimsical read? This is Countdown with Keith Oberman, my crazy friend. Okay, we could do that. Yeah, sure. This is Countdown with Keith Oberman. This guy's got a podcast. That's pretty good, that right? That was more nightly news until the end. I yeah, like that did you, did that you like, like that? This is CNN. You know? I felt like that voice, yeah. This is Countdown with Keith Oberman. 
Really? Him? Like how he'll like some of these, won't he? You don't think John Dean went off script, do you? <laughs> Probably not. You no. Are any of them any good, Sean? I mean, are they good? They they were all fine. Yeah. Now are you going to stipulate that he has to use any of these clips in their entirety? <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I should do that. <laughs> yeah, I should I should make it clear. Look, I really like Keith. I I don't know. I I remember he told me he had a podcast. And I said, oh, are you going to have, you know, who are your guests going to be? And he sent me back a note that said, guests. No, we don't have any guests. Keith just sits down and does this. Yes. That's what Keith does. Look, I'm not telling tales out of school here. Keith Oberman and Dan Patrick were the best thing that ever happened to ESPN. They're it. They're number one. Now, did they self-immolate? Sure. Of course they did. I mean, Keith can't do anything for any great length of time without everybody going crazy around him. I've had very dear friends work for Keith and go, oh, <laughs> and I, I do. I love him. Yeah, I love him. And he's a singular talent. Yes. He's absolutely. brilliant. Yeah. I don't say that about a lot of people. Keith Oberman is brilliant. Yeah. You no, know, but I don't know how long this one's going to go because how long do they go? Well, well, why don't you close with one more? This is Countdown. With Keith Oberman? No, I've just... Or just, just don't, don't even put his name in it? I was just hoping you could do one more little clip with that nice essay you gave him. I like him. This is Countdown with Keith Oberman. There you go. That was, that was gravity. Is that all right? Yeah, do you yeah. want to try one? No, no. To dream the impossible dreams next. Why? Well, he's, you know... Okay. This is Countdown with Keith Oberman. Also playing dinner theater as Don Quixote. <laughs> now, do you want to do one with getting his name wrong? Like, this is, this is Countdown with Keith Omerman? Yeah, let's try one of those. <laughs> this is Countdown with Keith Ammerman. Is that funny, Sean? That was funny, wasn't it? <laughs> That's the best one yet. <laughs> Sean, did we lose you or are you No, still no, there? I'm here. That was funny. That was funny. So, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the texting number. That's the one. To, you know, and just send him all. Send him the whole clip. Right. Send him the whole clip. See if it makes his brains fall out. Will do. Okay. So we're done with that. Keith Oberman. What happened in the golf yesterday? Keegan Bradley. Keegan Bradley shot like 100 owns under. this tournament. Wherever yeah. the BMWs played, outside Philly, down here, he seems to always shoot in the 60s first day. Yeah, he killed it. He killed it. All it but all it is is trying to get yourself into the next week. That's what the But I mean, guys, the guys like is, Rory and Rom. Trying into the top 30. They don't even have to worry, right? Not I mean, really. You're, they're, they're in the final I mean, week. Cam Smith is in. He's not even playing. You, it's oh, just yeah. trying to get your position a little bit you know, better suited for week, uh, the final week. All right. Um, in this I played ultimate event. I, I played golf yesterday. I got really lucky. My friend Daryl Clark asked me if I wanted to play at Bretton Woods. I'd never played at Bretton Woods. Bretton Woods is distinguished by the fact that for many, many years, and even still, although it's not exclusively membered by people in uh, the IMF and the World Bank, for many years it was. Didn't your friend Kintaro? On your golf team in high school, play yes, there? Yes, many good memories playing Bretton Woods as a kid. And in more recent years, they've always done a very good job of hosting junior golf events, whether that's you know local tournaments. But a lot of high school golf matches, there's, uh, there's fewer, very few prettier places in an early uh, fall afternoon. I have to say this because it is, I found this out. For the DC set, it's the last thing you see before you go apple picking. Right, 
Right, that's right. There's pumpkin patches out yeah, there. Yeah, go in River Apple. Road, make a left. You go. It's River Road to the end of River Road, for those of you familiar with the geography. One of the people we played with, Rick, yesterday, said that it was 33 miles from downtown D.C. That's a long way. I, it didn't seem 33 miles to me, but it was a long way. It's probably 15 miles out River Road. And then I made a left onto Seneca Lane, and I missed the golf course completely. Went about three miles and said, no, 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 I got to go back. and Because you know, I missed it. Because it's, it's actually right before that junction. And I didn't realize that. Anyway, it is wide open. And not only is it wide open, but you do not feel that you're anywhere near a metropolitan area. It is mountains and rivers. You know, the, which rivers are up there? That's why it's called River Road. The Susquehanna? It's not the mighty Susquehanna. It's not. <laughs> you, until you get to the last There's two rivers, the Potomac holes, River. You don't realize how close you are to the Potomac. And then you start yes. to see some of the poles that tell you where the high water has been over the years. Agnes, the Agnes Hurricane in 1972 was like 12 feet over the land. The entire course was washed out. So, because it was a tremendous storm. So, it's really wide open. I found all the, the traps. I, I, I'm, I can't hit. I that, stink. As you sit at the clubhouse looking out, it's hard to know exactly where you're looking towards because they've done a very good, that whole county's done a very good job of protecting the trees leading up to the river, unless, say, you've owned the local football team. Yeah, right, where you cut down all the trees. Honest to God, you, you, you really think, you know, you really think you're in the country. I mean, it's mountains. It's trees up on top. It's really, it's the most different look of a golf course that I have seen in the Washington, D.C. area. I'd never been there before. Such a unique location. You would not believe how close you were to uh, the 270 corridor uh, and sort of the, all the doctor's offices that are right up there. Yeah. So it's really nice. I was grateful to play. Played with Mike and Rick and Daryl Clark. And, I'm, you know, I probably shot in the low 90s. Still 25 minutes closer than four streams. Significantly closer than four streams. How was the bunker work yesterday? I was in two different bunkers. Couldn't get out of one, got out of the other. I was right under the lip on one. I don't have that shot. I had one. My left leg was out of the bunker. My right leg was out. I've seen Tiger make that well, shot. That point, time, but he's Tiger Woods. You're entitled to free relief. Why? Well, for your age. Oh, I should have said that. And, I, and I also general lack of I played talent. the up tees. You know, I, <clears throat> I played the senior tees. Except for the par threes. Interestingly enough, I was plus two on the par threes where I played with everybody else. Plus two. I'll take that every day. Did you clear the sure. water on two. nine? I, I hit driver. I hit driver. It was a 190-yard carry, they said. I barely got over, but I, got, I parred that hole. I had two threes and two fours on the, on the par threes. I was pretty happy with I that. I remember playing that. The, the ninth hole, is a, uh, there's a little drop-down par three, but it's about 200 yards. I remember yeah. playing that at the beginning of a new year, probably 2000, when the pond is frozen over and you could skip golf balls oh, across. Well, that's, <laughs> that's you know, shot. that's better. So I had a good time. I have deliberately avoided this because we are going to have, <clears throat> excuse me, Jason Locke and four on the show. But I'm going to make my feelings known on the Deshaun Watson thing. I'm just going to make them known. This is an utterly inadequate suspension, 11 games. I understand how it happens. The NFLPA and the NFL gets together and they say, let's get a deal going here. We wanted 17. You got six. Let's go in the middle. Let's go 11. Sure. Okay. I have no respect for either side on this. And I can't stand Deshaun Watson now. And the reason I cannot stand him is because of the public stance he took yesterday about his guilt or innocence. This is the same guy who a few days ago 
apologize to all the women he had, and this is his word, impacted. And then yesterday what he said is, I'll continue, this is a direct quote, I'll continue to stand on my innocence. Just because settlements and things like that happen doesn't mean that a person is guilty for anything. I now loathe Deshaun Watson with the power of a thousand sons. I will root against him every time. Wilbon and I talked about this last night. I called him. I said, you believe this? He goes, well, it's really light. Um, I will root against him every single time he plays, and consequently, I'll root against the Cleveland Browns, who I had no issue with before. I will root against the Haslams as owners. I will root against D. Haslam. If you read Sally Jenkins' columns today, column today, there's a quote from her that's it's, it's just it's an untenable quote. You cannot say this thing and expect anybody to believe it. I mean, you just can't do it. Um, and it's, it's, it's the wrong look for Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns in the NFL. Do I think he should get a second chance? Sure. Absolutely. I don't think he should get a second chance after 11 games, though. I think it had to be a full season. I think to stand up tall and say, we respect all women as the NFL, we can't have this. It's very, very clear, if nothing else, with 25 other lawsuits, all charging the same thing, all brought by massage therapists, some of which may be made up. I'm going to give you that. 25 aren't made up. They're not. It's very clear that Deshaun Watson believes in his heart that all massage therapists are prostitutes. Now, part of the settlement includes counseling. At the moment, do I think Deshaun Watson is amenable to counseling? Not at the moment, I don't. I think he'll do it because he was told he had to do it. Do I think he'll come to it with an open heart? No, not at the moment. Will it surprise me if he commits some egregious violation of predatory contact? A pre yeah, predatory contact again? It'll surprise me a little because every time he goes out, somebody's going to walk with him and say, you can't do that again. So it will surprise me a little. If it happens, he's out. He has to be out of football because you don't necessarily get a third chance except in baseball. Get a second. Am I wrong on any? If you t tell me if you think, if you disagree, if I'm being too harsh here. No, not with you with every step of the way. 100%. Yeah, when we briefly talked about this yesterday, I think, yeah. I mean, I, I'm stunned it's not a full season. 11 games. Yeah, and, and part of me thinks maybe the reason – one of the reasons why they, they went up from, what was it, six games before that? Yeah. Was because it would have ended in the middle of Breast Cancer Awareness Month, which is... Oh, is that right, where they always wear the pink? Right. And, and just the awkwardness of, of having him around when there's all this you know, support for women just doesn't seem just, right. You know, I, I wouldn't be this angry if he hadn't gone back to, I'm completely innocent. Yeah. If, if, you say, if you say, you know what, I'm not going to deal with guilt or innocence. I'm happy for a second chance. I'm going to show everybody that I'm a yes. better person. That's all you have to say. Is there no one on the Cleveland Browns staff smart enough to say that? That doesn't take rocket science. No. Is there no one smart enough to say, Deshaun, don't, let's not go to guilt or innocence. Let's just stay away from that. And here's the message we want to be on. Is there no one smart enough to do that? Apparently not. No one? They're coached by a University of Pennsylvania graduate. I thought he'd be smart enough to do that. Or maybe Deshaun Watson's not listening. That could be it. We'll take a break. Is it Jason or is it Greg Garcia? Jason. We're That's having nice. both of them on today. Jason Lockenfora and Greg Garcia. Greg's got a new show on. Starts tonight on something called 
Freevee? Yes, Freevee. What yes. is that? Uh, well, we'll have to ask him, won't we? <laughs> right. I mean, is that on actual television, or do you have to go in your car and look through the the screen in your car? <laughs> no. I think it might be available on Amazon Prime as well, but uh, on your TV set, yes, there is, there is Freevee on that. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a woman named Gretchen Peters. This is sent to us by Michael Granberry, who sends us stunning talent every time he talks to us. Gretchen Peters, a 2014 inductee into the Nashville Songwriters Hall of Fame. Songs written by Gretchen have been recorded by, among others, Etta James, Neil Diamond, George Strait, and Martina McBride, whose version of Independence Day ascended the country charts before winning the CMA Award for Song of the Year. But Michael Granberry writes, I much prefer to hear Gretchen sing her own songs and for her to perform them with her ace keyboard artist, Barry Walsh, who's also her husband. <laughs> really, well, why am I talking? <laughs> what is the point of me talking when someone is this good? Andy, he reminds me so this is a song called Five Minutes. We will play another song by Gretchen later in the show. This plays in Jason Locke and Fora. And, you know, there's a million things, Jason, a million things you can talk about as football sort of gets on the train to open the yeah. season. But 11 games, I, at the beginning of the show, I gave my whole spiel as to why 11 games is insufficient, yeah. why I now root against Cleveland Browns and Deshaun yeah. Watson. Why in God's name, no one from Cleveland said to him, you do not answer questions about guilt or innocence. You simply say, I'm looking forward to going back to football and, and I'm glad I have that opportunity. So I'll just, how, how does it get to 11? Why is it a broker deal? Yeah. Why did, why did they not go to the arbiter? Yeah, it's, it's clear that, you know, the NFL ultimately preferred not to sort of play this this out and um, exhaust things to the max in a in a legal setting because it, it, you know that's where it was heading. If they did take him off the field for the entire year, I, I, again, I'm not a lawyer. I've covered a lot of these things. We've documented this. When processes are collectively bargained, the courts generally stay away. And yes. the NFL knows this, and often they file, um, you know, they, they file their appeals or, or they file their um, claims in certain jurisdictions where they know it's tended to work in their favor over time. Um, so if, if they were willing to go to the mat for this, I, I think they could have prevailed. Um, and and I, I got to think their lawyers and they know ultimately that they probably would have prevailed. Now, 
whether it was lawyers or whether it was PR people or whether it was just the powers that be there, um, or some influential owners talking to the powers that be there at Park Avenue who decided that they didn't think, for whatever reasons, PR, optics, whatever, that having this, um, you know, drag into 2023 or whatever was the best way to go. I don't know. I, I can't answer for that. They have to answer for that, and they'll never fully answer for that. You, you'll get a word salad. You'll get, you know, cockamamie statements, but yeah. I, I, I don't know. You know what I mean? That we'll ever get to the bottom of exactly why they decided to punt on really fighting for him to be off the field for at least one full season. It um, feels like, Jason, it feels like a victory for the NFLPA. It feels like a victory for the Haslams. Sure. It yeah. feels like a slap in the face to every woman in America, especially after, and, and this has nothing to do with the ruling of 11 games, but afterwards when Deshaun Watson maintained his innocence after apologizing yeah. four days before, and, and you just say to yourself, you got this one wrong. Yeah, no, it's shameful. It's a pox on everyone's house. Like, Deshaun Watson oscillates from nothing happened to some situation fell out of the sky on me. And I'm kind of sort of sorry that that happened for everybody, but like it wasn't really me, to then coming the closest we've seen to a real apology about a week ago when these settlement talks really kicked in overdrive because that's what people told him he had to do then, to now he and his agent basically taking a victory lap and saying, we were innocent the whole time, and uh, we told you fools. Uh, so that's disgusting and ugly and shameful. And any, every and anything that came out of D and Jimmy Haslam's mouth yesterday Oof. was pretty shameful. Oof. I mean, Oof. we're in the business of preventing these situations from happening. They won't say what the situation is. You know, it's all this passive talk. Like, well, D and Jimmy Haslam, in your own words, tell us what happened here and why you think it's really, at the end, worthy of six games, but you'll deal with 11. And they'll say, well, we weren't a part of that process. And they weren't, but everything they said and did leading up to this um, showed just how deeply they were behind Deshaun Watson without having an inkling of why Deshaun Watson did what he did, not even knowing the extent to which Deshaun Watson did what he did, having zero scientific or medical information about what's going on with this person and their behavioral issues and their decision-making processes and their predilections uh, for predatory behavior on women. Um, and then the league, <laughs> as we talked about a few weeks ago, I really felt like this was put on a tee for the league to then say, we're going to take it to another level. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to push this thing even further based off the, the initial ruling from Judge Robinson. And here's why he can't play for a year. And you had Roger Goodell, what, two weeks ago at a league meeting basically saying, yeah, this, this, this guy needs, a, he needs to be gone. Like, he needs to be out this year and we figure, you know, out what's going on with him. And then, We'll determine in the future if 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 he's eligible to come back. And in the span of days, we go from that messaging to this eleven game cop out. I 
I will, I I will say this again. If I run the Cleveland Browns, if I am the head of public relations for the Cleveland Browns, I give Deshaun Watson a piece of paper. And I said, when you're asked about guilt or innocence, this is what you read. You do not deal with that issue. You say, that's already in the past. I'm so happy for a second chance. I will prove to people that I'm a good person. I will prove to women I'm a good person. Thank you for the second chance. But when this guy goes out there and says, yeah, I was innocent all along. I told you I was innocent. I, I, I have to fire the PR head. Well, like he's got to be, thing, he or she's got to be going yesterday. He, he's not. He's a Cleveland Brown. Because ultimately they threw so much money at him that he decided to take it. The Cleveland right. Browns don't make control over this situation. The Cleveland Browns brought him in again without doing any behavioral studies, without doing, without having any real information as to what the hell actually happened here, why did it happen, and what makes us think it won't happen again. They did none of there was the the do they talked to none of the women involved in this. Like they just opened up a money font and kept shooting it at his mouth until he said, I'm full, I'm bloated, I'm enough, you win. So, like, that, the PR guy's got no shot. The head coach got no shot. The GM's got no shot. Like, it's over. He's listening to his agent who did this for him, who, who took him from an already strong NFL contract to the greatest NFL contract in NFL history, and he did that based on taking $11 million last year to do nothing, um, being exposed as a despicable human being, and winning anyway. He's listening to that guy. He's listening to those lawyers. And that's it. The Cleveland Browns can't. He is the Cleveland Browns. I mean, if anyone's ever been the franchise without ever throwing one freaking pass for them, it's him. So the idea of them controlling the situation or, or, or them sort of being the ones to be the messengers or here's what you need to parrot, forget about it. Okay. I'm sure their lawyers have said numerous times, like, probably not the smartest thing what's coming out of his mouth. Did any of it change? No. And even Haslam yesterday, when pushed about, you put a statement out saying he's remorseful. He refuses to be remorseful. He said... Hey, I'm sure he's listening to his lawyers and doing what he thinks he has to do. So, like, all those sort of people who in a normal instance might have some say, some sway, some authority, they're just along for the ride. The Deshaun Watson car is the lead car, and he's pulling this circus in whatever direction he wants to pull it in. And I will be fascinated to see um, what this counseling, what this treatment really brings out in him. because clearly, you know, this idea of doing the work and um, owning, owning not situations, owning your actions, owning what you have done to others, not just how they feel, but what you did to them, he's clearly a million miles away from that. And I'm not sure he gets there in 11 weeks. And, you know, would these medical professionals actually, after three months, say, hey, our recommendation is this guy should still be nowhere near a football field. This guy should be in even more therapy and counseling than he's getting. And this guy is exactly who Judge Robinson said he is. If that's the case, how does the, how does the league react to that? And is it a slam dunk or a fait accompli that he's back week 12? I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see down the road. By the way, 
I don't think this is a good look for Goodell, but it's not as bad a look as the new owner of the Denver Broncos, the Walmart guy, referring to him three different times as Commissioner Goodell. What, what well, did you make of that, Jason? Commissioner uh, Goodell, he would, said it three times. Goodell. I would say similar to the Deshaun Watson situation, uh, I don't know that any of the Waltons are worried about Goodell, Goodell, Gdell, whatever you want to call them. Good do. He works for them. He's he's one of the, he's he's one of their highest paid employees as one of the thirty one owners of this you know of the teams in this league. Obviously, the Packers the exception. They decide what to pay Goodell and Tony. Clearly, they decide what to call Goodell. So I honestly yes. don't think <laughs> he's fretting over it. They have their fiefdoms. They do what they basically want to do within. They they interact with their business partners when they have to. They bond together over certain issues and show solidarity, mostly fiscal related, when they yeah. have to. Um, and so, like, is he, like, I don't, I don't, I mean, it's not a great look, absolutely, but I do think it's indicative of how these things are done. You know, his job was to prove to the other owners in Goldman Sachs or whatever financial institution oversaw the sale that he was the richest and best guy for the job. Roger Goodell just rubber stamps things. Yeah. Or Goodell. No, I, I know you're right. I know you're right about that. Um, I'll get you out of here on this. I know that Mike McCarthy and Matt Rule, this is their last year if they don't perform. Mm -hmm. Maybe they don't even get the full year. Is there another name of another coach that you could say to me, this guy's on the hot seat too? Well, there's, you know, there's always several. Um, I mean, look, this situation in Cleveland is toxic as it is. You know, if if this season's a disaster, is everybody surviving that? Boy, I... I don't think so. I think the New York Jets are a situation to watch. You know, Woody Johnson's been back on the mainland for plenty of time. It's been a long while since he fired somebody. Um, right. I, I, you know, Got was he ever really a totally a Robert Sala guy? Now the quarterback's hurt again. You're rebuilding your offensive line on the fly. That better be a really good defense. That's why you hired that guy. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know what the level of um, – you know, how much patience is going to be shown there. I think even, you know, other young coaches, Brandon Staley with the Chargers, if that team doesn't take a real leap, and Sean Payton's now calling games for Fox right down the street, um, Sean Payton, Justin Herbert, I mean, that there's, you know, at yeah. Miami, we already know what's going on there with tampering with Sean Payton before, so... I think that's another situation that, you know, you have to really look out for. And, like, I I hate to say this, but, like, look at the Houston Texans roster. Watch them pretend to play professional football. Like, I, I'm not sure that Lovey Smith wasn't hired just to be another guy who owns this for another year, who's then, right. you know, he, you eat these 15 losses, and then you're out of here because eventually we're going to get the guy we really want, whether that's Josh McCown or somebody else. It's certainly in the past has seemed to be Josh McCown, but, like, I'm not sure that they're still not deep tanking. And when you do that, generally the the coach, again, is the guy who who bears the brunt of it. Um, you know, Seattle, Pete Carroll, you know, that ownership group thought long and hard about a change last year. I look at that roster. I look at their quarterback situation. I'm not – I mean, I, I, I think – they're not getting better. They're getting worse. So, I mean, there's, you know this league. And then once one happens, 
That's a right. whole bunch follow. So I think in the end we'll get our normal seven or eight, and and maybe maybe it skews a little bit more um, because they are on the other side of this pandemic a little more now. The cap's going to go up exponentially next year. The gambling money's starting to roll in, so it, it wouldn't surprise me if if it's uh, you know if if it if it pushes close to double digits. It always does. It's always eight and ten. It really is. Yeah, it's it at least is. I think on average six and a half. Yeah, and then there's yeah. you know a few yeah. years where it's four or five, and then there's always going to be a few where it's nine or ten. Yeah. All right, plug your radio show for us, please. Uh, my pleasure, Tone. Uh, you can listen to me yak from two to six weekdays on one hundred five seven The Fan, or listen on the uh, on the Odyssey app. Um, if you're in this region and you are inclined to root for the orange and black or you did as a kid and now the Nats are just making you want to puke so you're coming back come on back we're talking a lot of O's every day we'll be down at Pickles Pub today ahead of the uh, O's series against the Red Sox and lots of football talk too so uh, thank you guys as always hope you have a wonderful weekend talk soon Jason Lock and Fora boys and girls we will take a break um, email and jingle when we return or no Greg Garcia when Greg, we return Greg Garcia, we're yes. out of order today a little bit yes out of order. You're out of order. <laughs> I'm Tony Kornheiser. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, this is Gretchen Peters, and Michael Granberry writes, if you need it, here's more information that appeared in a profile of Gretchen I wrote in 2015. She grew up in Westchester County near New York City, where her late father, William Peters, was a colleague of Walter Cronkite, a producer for CBS Reports, and the protege of broadcasting giant Edward R. Murrow. After the murder of civil rights activist Medgar Evers in Mississippi in 1963, Evers' widow, Murley, and the couple's three children came to stay with the Peters family at their home in Pelham, New York. God only knows what goes into the ability to play and sing. But this is great. Just great. Go to the end of the show at some point and listen to both songs. This yes. is called The Way You Move Me, and this plays in Greg Garcia. Michael... If people like Gretchen Peters with this kind of talent want to have their music played on this stupid show, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at TonyCornizerShow.com. Okay, so Greg's television show is called Sprung, and it makes its debut over the air tonight. Right, Greg? Tonight. Today, right now. People can check it out right now. There's no more tonight with the streaming. I think as of midnight last night, it's been available uh, for people to check out. So, yeah, this leads me into a line of questioning that you will, of course, appreciate. This I is can't on something. Wait. I cannot this, wait. <laughs> this is on something called Freevee, F-R-E-E-V-E-E, -E -E, which yes. indicates to me that if they use the word free in it, that I'm going to assume it's free. Is it free to everyone or is it not free? 100% free. That's the great thing about this streaming service, right? Freebie, like TV, but freebie. But I like to call it Frellavision. 
Um, that's his <laughs> proper name, I think. But, um, but yeah, free. And it's great. You know, I mean, a lot of these streamers now, they're starting to go to ad-based stuff. I mean, Hulu for a while. This will mean nothing to you, but, but I'm right. speaking to your audience. The, right. yeah, Hulu has an ad-based thing. Netflix is now talking about having an ad-based uh, service where maybe you pay a little less and you get ads. And Freebie, but you pay for the ad still. Freebie, which is owned by Amazon, it's free. And there's ads, and there's less ads than your normal streaming service. And they also aren't going to show you the same flow from progressive ads six times in a row and make you want to put your head through a wall. It's, <laughs> it's, it's limited commercials. So, no, it's, it's, it's fantastic. You know, it's, it's actually a, a really good service and you can access it through uh, Amazon Prime. If you have Amazon Prime, you can get it. There'll still be a commercial in there, but you can get it through Amazon Prime. You can download their app on Roku or Apple TV or Fire Stick or what, you know, whatever it is. I think you can probably watch it on the Revolution Toaster if you hit the right buttons. I haven't invested it. Took a shot at Flo. Flo went to Binghamton University. Hey, you know, no, 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 no. Hey, hey, let, hey, let me be Flo. one. Let me be. That's not a shot at Flo. I love <laughs> Flo. I love Flo. My, my, my wife's uncle passed away from cancer, and one of his wishes was he was in love with Flo. Like, he had a crush on Flo. This guy was quite the character. I got in touch with Flo. Flo sent him yeah. a video a, oh, uh, that's so Jack nice. in the box where Flo jumps up. Flo is a she's a beautiful woman. No, 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 that was a shot. At the she lives. She lives in L.A. She's a comedian in L.A. I mean, it's Stephanie something or other. I've forgotten yeah, her Stephanie. last name. Yeah, Stephanie. and she was a groundling. She was a groundling, yes, which is like the big yes, uh, you yes, know improv yes. group up here. And another groundling hooked me up with her. She couldn't have been sweeter. No, we love that's Flo. Nice. We love goods. Well, they're trying to ace her out. They got this other young girl on there now who's sort of a doofus, and it looks like they're trying to make her the next fall. But I digress. I, I, I need to go down this rabbit hole a little bit. Yeah. With what you said about Freevee, does anybody pay for cable anymore besides me? Am I the only person supporting cable television in America? I think you're keeping it afloat. Yeah, I think you're, yeah. you're, you're the guy. Um, I know I stopped paying for it for a while ago, but you know it's so ridiculous. I don't know how people afford these things. I, I don't understand it. Mine is three hundred twenty-five dollars a month. It is. It's, it's so much money. And then on top of that, you got to pay for internet access and all this stuff. Boxes. Like, I think people are getting I'm sick crazy. of it, and I think that's why this—they call it ad avod. Uh, you know, that is advertised-based uh, video, whatever on demand. And I did an interview, actually, for um, Wall Street Journal a little while ago, and they're talking about, like, oh, this, is, this seems to be the future, you know, these streamers with ads. I go, the future? This is the past. We're back where we started. This is network TV. You know, this is yeah. free services with ads. So, yeah, I think people are sick of paying that much money for everything. Okay. Do you carry cash? I carry cash. I like cash. I also think I'm the only one who carries cash. I like to have cash with me. Do you do that? I don't, I don't carry a lot. Of, I have a little bit, a little bit. There's a hamburger stand at the beach that just takes <laughs> cash. I want to yeah. have a little on hand for that. Um, yeah. But, you know, and then I feel bad for homeless people. Nobody, you know, everybody used to say they didn't have any cash on them. Now they're telling the truth. 
You know, yeah, so I like to have, have a little bit in my pocket for that. But uh, do you think that homeless know, people have have the machinery to take your card and <laughs> and get a little something out of that? Maybe they do. All right, I let's get to the show. I think a lot of show. them have Venmo. I think a lot of them have <laughs> Venmo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Tell us about the idea for the show, and tell us about this because it it I don't know anything about television, as you know, but it does seem to me that ultimately the actors in this that it's important to get actors who you like who you can write for right yeah absolutely so so the idea from the show you know that was i, I wrote it about two years ago over two years ago now early in the pandemic and people were, were getting let out of prison early because of covid and i thought this could be a good premise for a tv show and i i just sat with it and wrote a script and, and was very happy with what came out of it and then got lucky enough to, to sell it and somebody would make it. But yeah, then you've got to cast it. And the main guy, this guy, Garrett Dillahunt, who was on a show called Raising Hope that I did with me, I wrote it for him. So, you know, I knew he was going to be the guy and he's a guy that I just love working with and he's good with drama and comedy and he's very likable. And then you got to cast the rest of the thing. And we were looking all around for just fresh faces, people that I hadn't worked with and just got lucky. You know, you watch these people on screen because it's all done on, on the computer now. Nobody, because of COVID, nobody cast in person. So you're just watching clips of people all day long and certain people just jump off the screen, you know, and you just see it and you just feel it. And you're like, gosh, that person, I want to watch that person. I'm drawn to that person. And, uh, and then you work with them when you're on set and you get to know them and you, you mess with their performances, and you find you find the character together. And then Martha Plimpton, who plays uh, she's a great. very big role in this thing, she's, she's absolutely she's amazing. She's she wasn't our phenomenal. first. I mean, not that not that she wasn't our first choice. She wasn't available when I wrote this thing, so we cast somebody else. That didn't work out after three days of shooting in Pittsburgh. I thought this this has to change, and we didn't know what we were going to do because that role is six, easily sixty percent of the comedy in the show. And we called Martha Plimpton. She was in London. And we said, hey, can you be here in three days if we can figure this out? And she said, absolutely. Let's do it. Because she's an old friend, you know. And she was getting on the plane the day before the day before she was going to shoot. She was getting on the plane in London. I assumed she had read the scripts and stuff. And she called me. She goes, all right, I got all these scripts. Who am I playing? <laughs> I said, you're playing somebody named Barb. And she says, all right. And then she comes in the next day and just crushes it because she's an absolute professional. She's oh, she's she's so good. It, yeah. See, like when you are the creator of the show, when you are the writer of the show, before it starts, you may have some face in mind, but it's not a hundred percent locked down. When you get an actor you like, you then write for that actor very specifically, do you not? Absolutely. I mean, you see, you yeah. know, you see their yeah. strengths. It's a little different with, you know, some shows I've done, you shoot them kind of like one at a time and you're still writing scripts and you may be shooting episode two and you haven't written episode eight yet. So you can see things and make adjustments. This one, I wrote all 10 episodes before we even cast the people, oh, you know, so there weren't yeah. as many, as much latitude to do that, but you kind of then make those adjustments on the fly when you're directing, you know, so I'm directing the actors and I'm realizing what their strengths and weaknesses are and and then you lean into those. And you also learn how to talk to a particular actor to get what you want out of them as well. Do you ever watch your old shows? Do you ever see them? The time I see the old shows 
is when I watched them again, and it's so fun, when I watched them again with my youngest son, because mm-hmm. he was in a lot of the shows, but he wasn't old enough to either appreciate them or he wasn't old enough to watch them because they were dirtier or something, right? right. And right. so I will go back through the entire season and watch it with him, and it's it's great because I get to watch it. And for me, it's about memories, right, of when we were shooting and what was happening and things that happened you know, behind the camera, and that's what I'm kind of paying attention to. But at the same time, I get to watch him laughing and enjoying it and it's awesome i mean we recently just wrote the, uh, watched the guest book because now he's 15 and the guest book was on tbs and we had a few curse words and some of the subject matter and stuff and and i came to him and i said hey dad uh, i said hey trace uh let's watch the guest book and he goes oh is it is it okay now am i allowed to watch the guest book i go you know what i said since we we watched the latest jackass together. And <laughs> if we could watch, if it was okay for us to watch that together, I think we could watch the guest book. And he, he looked at me right in the eye. He goes, dad, that wasn't okay that we watched that together. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. There are certain shows I would never watch with my children. I just, I wouldn't. Have. When you were a kid, you're far, you're 20, 25 years younger than I am. But when you were a kid, what shows on television did you think were really funny? Oh, gosh. You know, I would watch sitcoms all day when I came home from school. Then I'd take a break for dinner, and then I would watch sitcoms at night. So I watched them all. Some of my favorites were ones that were on reruns during the day. Andy Griffith was one of my favorite TV shows. Um, Leave it to Beaver. Loved Leave it to Beaver. Father Knows Best. I mean, going back all the way to those, I loved those shows. And then Happy Days, Brady But You know, I would watch... All those shows. I love The Love Boat, and then Gopher from The Love Boat is then sprung. I didn't even know I cast him until the next day. Somebody said, you cast Gopher from The Love Boat. Fred uh, That's Gray, tremendous. Grandy. That's yeah. tremendous. The full circle of that is tremendous. Did you Have you talked to him about it? Yeah. I told, we talked all about The Love Boat when he shot, wow. when he shot his scenes, and, and I told him. I said, I, had no, I didn't even know, which I guess is good, good for him because, you know, he got it just based on his acting. He was very funny. That's lovely. That's lovely. It's called Sprung. It's it's on right now. You should stop listening to us now and just well, actually, should listen so to hear the music on this show and then go watch Greg's show. The, just bring us up to date on the Burger Card, a uh, Burger King card, and what the offer is. I need the offer. Listen, whenever I'm in town, I mean, I could mail it to you, but I'd be worried about the postal service losing this thing, you know. But whenever I'm in town, it's 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 a whopper. It's whatever you want. It's whatever you want. We get, we got it for you. Okay, I you th- barely. You think use that the kid thing. overcharged me? Don't you deliberately? You think that kid thought I was a pigeon? It can't no, be 1372. I, think I, was I think I was clear with you that there's no malice in a Burger King employee, but there could be, uh, you know, there could be some forgetfulness uh, from time to time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 1372 for a Whopper and medium fries. It just seems like a lot. Yeah. You, you don't think that, I, they, that they saw me coming and said, this guy's loaded. Let's, let's make sure that he pays more. He hasn't been I in a while. If, if somebody, hey, Tony... Tony, if somebody doesn't watch PTI or listen to the podcast, I don't think anybody sees you coming and thinks this guy's loaded. (laughs) 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 That's funny. Thank you, Greg. Thank you. Good luck with it. Take care. 
Greg right, Garcia. Bye. It's called Sprung. It's on freebie. Go watch it now. It's great. I'm Tony Kornheiser. We come back with email and jingle. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony's hungry. Who can he turn to? A Burger King that he's gonna walk into. You know he thinks five dollars would cover it all. <laughs> to satiate his hunger, but that is wrong. Tony wants a whopper, and he'd enjoy some fries. Tony can't believe this number: thirteen seventy-two for a whopper and fries. <laughs> That's Steve Lipton. That's brilliant. (laughs) He credits Joe Arrow, who he said is going to come up with his own song, which we heard yesterday. Yes. Which was brilliant. Yes. Everybody I tell this story to says, you were hosed. Feels like it, it yeah. can't be that much money. Thirteen seventy-two for a Whopper and medium fries. It just can't I be. I think you got double charged for the sandwich. Single price for I sandwich. I feel like we need to get Outrageous. Pat Collins involved for an investigative report. That would be this. so good to see Pat Collins walking out of the Burger King next to the <laughs> car wash. No, you do his patented slow walk. Yeah, <laughs> yes. and he looks directly into the camera and says, "Can you believe this? <laughs> right. So good. Do you want to do the Bethesda Bagels ad? Yes, Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the DC." area nearest you then pop on in and you'll be thrilled that'll just about do it for us today before we get to the mailbag let me say she's got a competition clutch with four on the floor and she purrs like a kitten till the lake pipes roar and if that ain't enough to make you flip your lid there's one more thing you, you think it's I got the pink slip, Daddy? You don't think it's I got the big slicks, Daddy? Because those would be the big tires. Oh, I thought it was the pink slip. I think it's it. the big slicks, Daddy. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe I, you're right. I will go back. And That's I'll, Mike Love doing lead for the Beach Boys sixty years ago. Little Deuce Coop. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah I'll go back and check that. Yeah, thanks to our guests today, Jason Lockin Four and Greg Garcia. Don't forget, you can check out Greg's new show, Sprung on Freebie. By definition. If it says free in the title, doesn't it have to be free? One would think, yes. By definition? Thanks to today's sponsor, ZipRecruiter and Electric E-Bike. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. So normally I go through the um, emails before I read them, and I usually try to get the ones from previous days. But but there's Tillamook seems to be... It's a big part of this. And the previous days, of course, are Burger King. So we'll start with today's, actually. This is from Jay Kim. 
I've been a listener of the show since my long gone days in the DC area more than a decade ago. Since then, I've moved back to my home state of Oregon and been working out in the Tillamook County area tourism sector. Now, I've heard you mention abandoned dunes and wineries in the area, but they're not close to where I am, relatively speaking. However, on Wednesday's podcast, I had my David Aldridge moment when you, meant, when you mentioned Tillamook ice cream. I was recently on the county's tourism board, and the Tillamook Creamery, pronounced closer to Tillamook, with the OO being closer to a short U vowel, is our biggest draw of tourists every year. The mention of the brand had me so thrilled, I immediately sent it to all our board members, telling them we made it to the big time now. Anyhow, in an effort to expand the brand awareness, I would love to send you and the gang more of the flavors that are not available in your area. If there are any specific flavors you would like to try, please let me know the address to ship it to, and I will personally have it sent myself. This is gold, Jerry. Yes. This is gold. Thankfully, yes. there's a list. As always, <laughs> yes. it's a pleasure to hear from you, Nigel, Michael, and the rest of the gang. It always brings up fond memories of my time when I was in the D.C. area, and I look forward to hearing from you guys. This goes to Nigel. Now, the ice cream <laughs> at the social Safeway is not in the expected place. It's at the end of the aisle. You have it to is. search for it. I, I, yes. How could I go so long in my life and never heard of Tillamook? I was, you could go to the normal ice cream aisle and, and not see not it. See it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, lo it's more than a pint. It's larger. But it's not it's, the tub. Yeah. It's it's sort of in between. It's a, it's, it's, it's a healthy size. Yeah. But you're right. I walked right by it. Had to go back and, and, and search for it. We picked up the cherry almond fudge. Ooh. From Brent Let's Eaton slide. in Newmarket, Virginia. If we're making suggestions for a new old man over the sink ice cream flavor, try Grape Nut. It's made by Garber's Ice Cream in Winchester, Virginia. Once you get past the fact that there are no grapes and no nuts, it's spectacular. <laughs> well, Grape Nut was a cereal. It was. A post cereal for many, many years. Sure. A, a little kid's breakfast cereal. Yeah. Cold cereal with milk. From Tim Wildsmith, our friend Tim Wildsmith. Hands down, the best ice cream I've ever had is from a company called Bluebell. I know Bluebell. Oh, yeah, Bluebell's very It's Pennsylvania, good. isn't it? I think so. I think so, but it does have two downsides. Bluebell is only available in certain parts of the country. A half gallon of Bluebell costs about as much as a Whopper value meal at your <laughs> local Burger King. I, I thought I've seen that at the, at the Refugee Safeway in my life, Bluebell. Uh, from Lisa um, Tillamook. They make cheese. Damn good cheese. Cheddar. Yes, they do. But if you want the best version of their ice cream, it's Marion Berry. That's sort of like Marion Barry. <laughs> if you even somewhat like their vanilla, I, I did. This will change your whole perspective on ice cream. And I bet you're thinking, what's a Marion Berry? Just try it. Marion Berry. What number was it ranked on Jimmy Bott's list? I don't know. I don't know, because I passed by it. They do have that at the Safeway, though. I've seen that. From Eric in Orinda, California. I've been a huge fan of Tillamook ice cream for over five years. Tillamook mudslide with a spoonful of peanut butter is my go-to dessert. This doesn't sound up your alley, but maybe others will be interested. Their strawberry is the only brand strawberry ice cream I will eat. Now, I used to like strawberry ice cream by Haagen-Dazs, because they had little snips of actual strawberry in there, frozen in, in place. Yeah, it's very But good. I've been off strawberry for a long time. Oh, you should talk to the Bootsy. He loves strawberry. He ice loves cream. strawberry ice cream? Yeah, yeah strawberry. What kind do you get him? Uh, probably just Hagen does. Yeah. You can't go wrong with that. Yeah. I mean, that's, but, uh, but yeah, the, well, what's that, what's that ice cream that I think is too light? Comes in the Briars? Briars. They've, they've made strawberry for years. They, they were sort of known. For now, there's a local one at the Nats game that was really good. <clears throat> really? Yeah. Kevin Disher in Bay City, Michigan. I know it's been a while since you sat in on an English class, so here's a quick primer 
or primer on how to determine whether a verb should be singular or plural. The sentence you questioned in yesterday's ZipRecruiter read contained a prepositional phrase, the source of your confusion. ZipRecruiter has a complete set of tools that makes it easier to filter. To figure out the singular plural situation, eliminate the prepositional phrase, in this case, of tools. Now the sentence read, ZipRecruiter has, Zip has a complete set that makes it easy to filter. Now there's no doubt that the verb must be singular as it acts on the singular noun set. The damn tools threw you off a bit. It's nice English. Love being corrected by English teachers. <laughs> You're have to get the diagramming pencil out. <laughs> Matt Duddy, this is a long one. This is a long one. I moved to write today as I should have back in May, but I did not. I listened in rapt attention to the eloquent letter you read it into intro Sansi on your May 18th show. That was a long time ago. Yesterday was August 18th, was it not? Yes. I nodded to myself in complete agreement as you relayed the story of the pastor who needed a kind word after a difficult encounter with grief. As many of us littles do, we turn to your show. Reflecting on how I had done the same on occasion, my jaw then hit the floor when you read the sender's name, Scott Bach Hansen, my friend for over 20 years. I intended to write you immediately about this David Aldridge moment, but I procrastinated. And as the days went by, I thought it was too late to call back to Scott's letter. Perhaps a sign from God, or at least from his messenger, Scott, you read his next email on yesterday's show, August 17th. I will not blow it this time. You need to know what Scott would never tell you, humble as he is. He is truly a wonderful guy. Scott and I started work on the same day at the same company 22 years ago and became fast friends as we figured out the business together. Little's even way back then, we bonded over your radio show and other sports news. We lived through tragic, fearsome events together, the DC Sniper and 9-11. As life occurs, we eventually went to work for other companies and lost touch. Ten years later, Scott was hiring for a new team and reached out to see if I might join him. I was looking for a new gig at the time, so I happily accepted and enjoyed working with him again, friendship rekindled. Once again, Life took its, its turns. We moved to different states and lost touch again, except for the occasional Facebook message, ask Michael what that is. <laughs> My bona fides thus established, please let me tell you what Scott never will. He's the kindest, warmest, most generous person you could ever meet. If you were in need, Scott would give you the shirt off his back, then buy another shirt and give you that one too. I am not the least bit surprised that he is now a dedicated pastor. His flock is in good hands. The connective tissue, Mr. Tony, is strong, heartwarming, and magical at times. Your constant presence through all the ups and ridiculous downs as the years go by brings comfort beyond your ken. Thank you for all the good cheer and laughter through the years and a hearty lachiserie to Scott and all the littles. Matt Duddy, Annapolis, Maryland. Isn't that lovely? That's pretty nice. And we'll do one more. And this is from Mike Higgins in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. <clears throat> Cape Girardeau, I believe, is the hometown of Cindy Bourne, who's got to be 70 now, right? <laughs> She's got to be 70 years old now. I think so, yes. That's our hometown, Cape Toronto. Somebody look that up. It's Mike Higgins. I wanted to let you know that while the Aloha Tower thermometer will never work again, the calendar will be accurate and can be reused in 2023 and 2034, 2045, 2051, and 2062. I think you should definitely get that calendar back from Charlie for 2023. He can have it for the year 2034. I'm not sure either of you will have a need for it in 2045. Information for life. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear what? Don't talk back to me, all right? I've got five minutes to sneak a cigarette. 
five minutes to myself Back behind the screen door of Andy's luncheonette And I ain't got time to worry about my health My boss Andy says I smoke myself to death Andy, he reminds me some of you Back when you were Romeo and I was Juliet West Texas Capulet and Montague It was nearly 20 years ago I shut and locked that door Now I've got five minutes Not much time to Jesse makes a sandwich if I sleep through supper time. And she leaves me on the couch to sleep it off. But Jesse just turned 17, and she's wild as she can be. And there ain't nothing I can do. Last weekend she ran off to meet a boy in Tennessee Just like I used to run to you And I gave her hell when she came home this afternoon Mascara running down her Seems like history repeats itself And it ain't up to you And in five minutes Your whole life can change Take your place But something deep inside me Just withers up and dies To make love to him And only see your face Somehow I've let myself go 
five minutes And I'm gonna smoke this cigarette Something 